Hello and welcome to Master Your Coaching Biz, a podcast for rising coaches and entrepreneurs who want to design the life of their dreams and make a massive impact on the world while building an inspired, successful, and profitable business. I'm your host, Cheryl Thacker, Master Board Certified Coach, trainer, ICF Mentor Coach, international speaker, and founder of Successful Coaches Enterprise. I believe that every coach has a unique gift to present to the world, and I'm humbled that I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of coaches and entrepreneurs on their journey to mastering their business. Join me each week as we explore all things coaching to master your business with tools, techniques, and strategies to create and market your products, get visible, make an impact, and grow your business. Listen in on interviews with leading coaches and entrepreneurs sharing their stories and best tips to teach, inspire, and empower you. Observe coaching sessions, participate in Q&A, and learn how to master your mindset to enhance your coaching skills. Are you ready to build the life and business of your dreams while doing what you love? Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. And I'm so excited I have Tim Brownson from Coach the Life Coach with us today. And we're gonna get right into our conversation. So hey Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for asking me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and, and what you do. Okay, well, well, for the most part now, I, I only work with, with coaches and have done, for, I, I do still do some private practice uh, stuff. Uh, I'll pick and choose clients that, that I think are a great fit for me. But, but I started back in 2005, so I did life coaching, traditional life coaching. In just that's all I did for about eight or nine years. And then I started getting more and more coaches coming to me. Um, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, any coach listening to this will know that, you know, if you're, if you're training coactive coaching like I was, there's a process to it. And it's basically you don't offer advice. Well, I'm a bit egotistical. I like offering advice. So that was always a problem for me. You know, not, not seriously but you know so when working with other coaches I found well okay well there's certain information I can impart that's more objective than subjective you know that is the danger with life coaching uh, so I started just working with more coaches and, and that grew organically and I love it because it allows me to flip back and forth um, between traditional coaching which is like asking the questions getting people to come up with the solutions themselves and just saying hey guess what I've got this fantastic idea. If you do this with your marketing, um, it is going to be way more successful than what you're doing now. So, yeah. And just prior to that, without getting too self-indulgent, I spent 20 years in corporate sales and all, all the kind of stuff that goes with that and made a lot of money. But yeah, I think like a lot of people that get into coaching, moved into coaching because I was dissatisfied with my current lot, whether whether that's corporate or whether that's somebody that stay at home looking after the kids or whatever, it, it really doesn't matter. Right. You tend to gravitate towards coaching for two, ring, two reasons. Either, well, well, both really. We love to help people and we don't like where we are now and want to do something about it. So, yeah. That was a very long-winded, long-winded answer to your question. Oh, okay, great. So so you do have a, the corporate background. I've um, you know, noticed and myself included that we do get, you know, tired of where we are and we want to make a change. And 
usually we're helpers, like exactly like you said. And so the coaching kind of seems to, to make a lot of sense for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me what kind of, um, you know, mindset did you have when you first, first became a coach? Well, my mindset was that I'm, I'm going to be fabulously wealthy by, you know, because I was kind of into the self-development stuff quite a while before um, I got into uh, to being a coach. I mean, that never really, um, never really crossed my mind to begin with. So I was listening to, uh, you know, back, back in the day, I'm trying to, you know, it sounds a bit lame, but so, so I'm, I'm going to the late 90s, early 2000s. It was actually difficult to find, as it was then, CDs on self-development that you could go and buy. In fact, I used to, I, so one of the reasons why I live in the US now is because I just used, I, I love the US and I used to come here once, twice a year at least. And every time I came here, I would find myself a Borders or Barnes & Noble or whatever and buy up every self-development CD that I'd not already got. And like I say, I was earning six figures at the time, and that was then, you know, so what that would be worth now. And I would buy all these CDs. And then as I was driving all over the UK, I would listen to them. And think, and quite often I think, oh, I could do better than that, which is incredibly arrogant and probably not true, but that's what, you know, that was the belief at the time. And like I say, I never, never crossed my mind that I was going to be a coach, and I kind of stumbled into coaching so uh but 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 now it, it's like a fire hose of information for new coaches it's yeah. not like well where do i find a podcast to listen to i just don't know where to go <laughs> well there's 30 there and there's 27 over you know it's just like <clears throat> yeah it's just like ridiculous i mean when i started coaching in 2005 I, I, I didn't know where to find information other than the company that had trained me yeah. And, and, and now it's just like, well, the biggest problem coaches have now is filtering out bad information rather than trying to find enough information. Absolutely. So that, that kind of red shiny sy- syndrome where there's just so much around to look at and, and all the, even all the free content can get really overwhelming and, and you don't know what well, to some do. Some of it's bad. Yeah. You know, I see bad advice. You know, so I've got a Facebook group and there's four and a half thousand coaches in there and sometimes people will, will offer advice and they really mean well it's just like and i'm like oh, oh how, how do how do i be diplomatic about this <laughs> and just say no you can't do that it doesn't work or you're gonna you know and and it's difficult because people see things and one of the biggest problems with the uh with the coaching industry that i find is is coaches look at other coaches that appear to be successful because no coach goes onto their blog and says, I've got no clients. Does anybody know? You know, they don't do that. So everybody gives off this perception of success. So they look at a site and think, oh, that's really cool. And they replicate it and don't realize they're replicating a failing model. And and then that goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, we, we both know that the vast majority of coaches are struggling for clients and, and I'm seeing huge influx at the moment because of coronavirus. I thought I would see the opposite uh, and maybe, maybe. So I thought people would bail out the coaching industry 
um, because they've got other things on their mind. But maybe that's happening. I just because it's not really something you would notice. But I'm seeing a lot of people in my group. A lot of people that are just like, oh, let me just see if I can do this and go online and make a fortune. A bit like I did 15. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I see that as well. Um, and and also I've been talking a lot to coaches about stepping up and being leaders, um, yeah. so that they can, you know. Um, you know, not only just survive, but do well in this time because it's a huge opportunity for us to help others and, and really, again, establish ourselves as leaders right. in the industry because we're used to working online. This is what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I have seen that that influx as, influx as well. Um, Actually, you know something, sorry to put in, Cal, but for my first five years of coaching, I only ever saw uh, patients face-to-face. A patient, sorry, my wife's a doctor. Um, she's on call, so I'm talking to her about pay. clients face-to-face. So people would have to come to my house. And now I, I will, in fact, I had somebody about two or three weeks ago, a woman that wanted to drive to Tampa to see me. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I won't do that. Because there's nothing I do. You know, when I, when I first started, I'm not sure when you first started, but I'm guessing it's, you know, it, it was similar. Um, yeah, there was Skype 15 years ago. Right. But it was flaky and it was grainy. And, you know, at the time I did a lot of NLP and a lot of hypnotherapy. And you have to have that really good feedback. Yep. We didn't have the broadband stability that we've got now. Now it's kind of like you just don't need, there's no reason for you to drive 10 minutes to me, never mind two hours from, from, from Tampa, because if we can, we've got, We've got broadband. I've got you know, one gig optic fiber optic. Down. You know, it's just like you don't need it. It's just like forget about it. Let's just do it like this. And, and but but I think this is going to change that more than everything that's happened over the last five years. It's now people are going to get. It's going to be the new normal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a new normal for anything, not just coaching. So right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Comedy, even. You know, I'm yeah. a big comedy fan, so I, you know, it's just like, well, you got to watch it online. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, how did you find your first client back then? Um, I, I think, um, and, and I get asked think questions like, how do you get into coaching? How do you, you know? And a lot of it is like a little bit of a blur, mm-hmm. uh, but. I, I actually found my first client through online just because so so we moved in 2006 February 2006 to the US so I'd started coaching um, um, spring 2005 and, and I got some clients fairly quickly in the UK because I got you know I've been in sales for 20 years I got a big support network you know I knew people to call Mm-hmm. New people, and you know, I found clients that way. I didn't need that many because we were getting prepared to move over to this country. When we got here, it's like vroomf, nothing because <laughs> I knew nobody. I've got an aunt in Ohio, and that wasn't really that much good, you know. I like knew nobody. It's just um, so it, it was a question of getting my website up and running. And uh, the time, to the best of my knowledge, there was only three, maybe four coaches. In, in Orlando, and there was nobody else my side of Orlando, West up, you know, Tampa side of Orlando. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got occasional clients, uh, just, sorry, that's my, my dog, my youngest dog licking my leg. Um, I, I got um, clients just in spite of myself, but would just because I, they would do a search and I would come up. So it was 
very much more luck than judgment. And and then after about, I don't know, seven or eight months, I got into blogging and, and then it became a different ball game altogether. And then it became over a period of time, more of a structured um, online approach to, to marketing rather than just like, oh, here I am, come and get me. <laughs> Nobody yeah. So the, so it sounds like the, the, the blogging, so content marketing, and, and that's actually a challenge I'm running in my group this month, or May, uh, is on content marketing. But the blogging, yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing to, to put yourself out there. And there is a ton of bloggers now and podcasters and everything else, but um, still, there's, there's a market for it, and that's why there's so many, I think. Um, well, I think there's, two, there's a number of reasons to blog, Carol. I mean, first and foremost, you know, um, most coaches get blogging wrong. They think it's just a question of putting out content on a weekly basis or whatever, and that kind of doesn't work because if you can't drive traffic to it. So me um, blogging, um, well, first of all, it allows you to compose your thoughts. Mm-hmm. It allows you to explain what you think. So when you're talking with a client, it's much easier then to, because we've all got these ideas that are like wandering around the corridors of our brain. And sometimes they make sense and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you think they make sense and then you utter it and you realize <laughs> they don't, you know. Right. Um, but, but I think, we, you know, we, we, with blogging, it, it allows you to do that. It allows you to talk to people. But for me, it's what I built my business on with SEO, with searching the optimization. And that's the thing that most coaches get wrong. They think they just need to put content up there and then Google will find them. It doesn't work. It used to. I mean, that was, you know, how I built my business. But but blogging is a great way. I encourage every coach to guest blog. Get yourself on as many different blogs as you can. You expose yourself to a different audience. You you make yourself a better writer because you have to be. Otherwise, other blogs are going to turn you down if if you don't quite get it right. Right. And uh, that that is that's the bedrock of was the bedrock of my my business. I still get. I I did a consult two or three days ago from a blog post I wrote over ten years ago. And oh wow! That's the thing. This stuff doesn't go away once it's indexed. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing though. Ten years. That's. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I closed my. So I have two businesses. Uh, a daring adventure, which is my first coaching business, is still there. Uh, although I don't promote it anymore, and then Coach a Life Coach. Well, the Down Adventure, I closed the newsletter list down earlier on this year. I had people emailing, that, that, yeah, I had dozens and dozens of emails from people, and people were saying, I've been on your list since you started in uh, 2006, and what have you. And it was really nice. It was really gratifying. Yeah. I was also thinking, well, why didn't you hire me? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's me. Maybe I just didn't, you know, I felt them enough. It's oh, all- no. I'm the same way. I get I get like awesome emails. I'm like, okay, so why didn't you hire me? <laughs> so I the thing is with that, in all seriousness, and that's you know, coaches need to understand is some some people will love you, and that's great, but they'll never want to hire you. Some people won't really love you, but they will want to hire you. It's just a what's the point in time and what was the message you delivered at that particular point that resonated with them or what have you? Yeah, I have people. And one of the biggest, I've made a lot of mistakes in, in, in marketing, a lot over the years. But possibly one of the biggest was, uh, or one of the biggest realizations was maybe, I don't know, 2009, 2010. I was working with a client, it was a face-to-face client. And um, and it was the last session, we bought a package of six or eight or whatever. 
And uh, he just said to me, ah, you know, I don't know how to ask this, but would it be possible if, if we carried on working together? And I'm like, how shit am I not explaining what I do? That there's somebody there wants to hire me for more and is getting apprehensive about asking me as if I'd say, no, get out, you know, get out. I have shown you all I need. And, and that's the thing. And, and, and it dawned on me like, holy crap, am I, is, that the, is that the aura, for the want of a better word, that I'm giving off that if you don't, if you don't get what you need to get done in the time we're working together, then I can't help you. You know, sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes right. You have to be a bit patient. And that's actually, that goes, that's interesting because, you know, that goes, that speaks to, you know, making the ask. There's, mm. you know, for renewals, a lot of coaches that I've uh, had the experience of talking to feel like, you know, asking for that renewal is some sort of, um, you know, a, a bad uh, impression on what they did in the current contract. Or right. The yeah. And that's just not true. Like you no, can't get to everything and things come up from your initial engagement and, and that's okay. As long as you're, you know, you're working towards their goals and you're showing success um, in some way that's that, that the client sees the client, it's the client's success, right. That we're looking for. And so, okay. so making that ask to, to renew, you know, to continue, I think is a vital important part of the, of the engagement. I, I, I agree, and it's one of the biggest, so I said I was in sales, and part of that is to train salespeople, and one of the biggest, one of the biggest issues they've got is that asking, um, you know, it's almost like I'm admitting some form of guilt, or it should just happen. Well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't just happen. You just have to say to people, do you want to move forward? Do you want to sign a contract? And it's the same with re-upping as well. People... Have got you have to treat your clients like adults. Like they can say, you know what? I mean, it's fine to me, Kat. It's fine for for a coach to say, you know what? I'd like to start carry on working with you, but I understand you'll know, work together this period of time. Do you want to go away and think about this? Right. And think about where we can still grow. You know, do this, this, or this, or whatever. It doesn't matter. You, you know, you have that ready in your mind, depending on the client then that's fine. I don't want to put you on the spot. So I understand clients that don't want to, you know, I, I hate hard selling people. To me, sales is a process about, this is what I can do for you and how I can help you. Right. If you can see the value in that, then let's do it. If not, then that's fine. I either didn't explain it clearly enough or there is no value. You know, so I think with, with coaches, it's not, there's, there's a big difference between, um, trying to close somebody and not giving somebody the opportunity to hire you again, because you could be moving on. I'm sure I did, you know, where people think, well, I don't like to hire that guy again, but he obviously doesn't want to work with me. And that's kind of like the worst form of miscommunication. Right. So, you know, if you're a coach and, and listen to this and you value what you do, then give your clients, because you never know how long it's going to take. We've all had clients, where I've had clients on the console where it's gone like that. Oh, fuck. I'm never going to hire me. I'm not going to get paid for this. But it's kind of nice. You know, it's, it's nice. Right. Other people have to, you know, I've done a value session with clients. It's just like, that's it. That, that's it. Other clients, it takes longer. So yeah. it, it's, it's let them make their own mind up. And, and, and like I say, with salespeople, it, 
they often will not let them make their own mind up. It's like they made a decision, this is right for them, they can't afford it, or, you know, what is not, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, and we definitely have to watch that because we don't want to work with people that, well, aren't meant to work with us, but also that aren't able to. Because then, you know, what happens there? You just have a bad engagement. And right. It wastes that, that's the worst doing. thing. Is it? Yeah. As a coach, we've all done that. Yeah. And I always say to coaches, if you ever get a negative feeling on a consult about a client, uh, yeah, it's happened to me, I don't know, 50 times, one time, well, no, not one time, big problem, no more, probably three or four times where I overrode it. It was always, nah, this is not, this is <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't feel right. No. <laughs> no. I, took, I took a client on... <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling now. I took a client on um, second and third year who told me he got a bipolar and he said, but it's managed with, uh, with medication. Oh, it's probably going to feel right. Okay. Because, you know, when you're short of cash, <clears throat> when you've not got many clients, mm-hmm. you kind of will. Um, <clears throat> I'm starting to sound like Anthony Fauci now. <clears throat> <laughs> you, you will override that gut instinct. And uh, I was going to say it was one time, one time that I did override it where I was wrong and I went back and worked with the client, but for the most part, but listen to your gut instinct. I have taken us completely off topic now. I apologize. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. So, um, so a lot of coaches hate to niche down, and this is something I kind of harp on a little bit, but right. um, what are your thoughts around, um, you know, choosing whether or not they need to choose a niche and then how to go about doing it okay well i'm going to cut in niche because i'm british and we still it off the french um yeah you need to do it pretty much uh, it's just the the, the the i would change when people got the word niche in their head i would say change that and say specialist what am i a specialist in because that's what people want so the example, and I used this example the other day with a with, with, with a, a, a client, and it's, so so my wife until relatively recently she's um, worked in oncology, she adopted and she worked in just head and neck oncology, and she's gone actually now into private um, just general medicine just to get experience in general medicine before we move back to the UK. Not that we're going to be moving now, so we'll never sell our house, but you know what I mean, theoretically. Yeah. And it's like, so let's suppose you've got, you get diagnosed with a throat cancer, for example, that was something she would see on a daily basis. Do you want to go to a head and neck oncologist or do you want to go to your general practitioner to be treated? And the reality is you want to go to the specialist. You, you, it, people want to feel like they're working with somebody that's a specialist. So I, I sent out a newsletter recently where one of the worst words to use in your marketing or in your company name, I'll explain in a second, is and. So it's like when I first started, right I called myself, right, a, a personal and business coach. Well, which are you? you know, and then, excuse me, the example I used in the newsletter was, you know, if you're in a small town, you just move there and you've got toothache and, uh, you, you know, you need a dentist, you do a search, there's only two local results. One is dentist, and the other one is dentist and hairdresser, or dentist and mechanic. Who are you going to call? And it's not Ghostbusters. You're going to call the dentist. You know, I want the person who just does teeth. 
you know. And yeah. that's from somebody that's even English. I would still, we've got terrible teeth, I would still call, you know. Um, so I think, um, <clears throat> but also the one of the things that gets missed a lot, Carol, is the fact that when you know what your niche is, it makes marketing so much easier. It makes your writing material. So I'm only, when I'm thinking about writing new blog posts and newsletters, I'm just thinking about coaches that haven't got enough clients. It's not difficult before with the Den Adventure. So I built a business <clears throat> without a niche. And people say, well, you did it. You know, I've had people on course, loads of them say, well, you did it. Yeah, but it, I started in 2005 and it wasn't, you know, so I established myself before the real explosion in coaching right. happened. Plus I had a really strong brand. I swore a lot in my blog, I used a lot of humor. I would talk about politics, you know, I was, I'm clearly, left to center you know it's just like people would get that right and, you know, i would rip certain politicians or whatever now do i advise um, coaches to do the same thing no unless it's that part of their authenticity and their you, you know so i had a brand going back to what you're saying with, with a niche you just talk to a certain amount of people and one of the thing one of the big problems that i get from people are the big big sort of um, barriers is well there aren't enough people and my 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 question to that is or well, are there enough people in the world that are in your niche to keep you busy all the time because none of us as coaches need that many clients I probably only need 15 to 20 a year now because most of my clients are only <clears throat> excuse me so if there are enough people in your niche to supply you with enough clients you don't have a niche problem you have a marketing problem it's how you find those people. And that's not the same as the niche isn't big enough. Right. Then you have to understand, okay, well, I don't know how to get to these people. And there's ways and means of, of getting to people. So unless you're, you know, my niche is, I only want to work with one-legged men called Jeremy with red hair. Okay, that might be a problem. <laughs> but, I, you know, I've, I've had clients recently, one of whom only dealt with... Um, people who've gone through organ transplants, mm. and one of whom only dealt with people who've been through TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, uh, injuries, uh, injuries. Pretty narrow. How many people do you know that have had an organ transplant? I don't know anybody apart from my client. Right. But there's like 250,000 people or whatever. So people get freaked out because they're, they're, they're closing the net, so to speak. What happens every time you close it a notch, you rule out some people, but you appeal to the other people more and more and more until you get down to Jeremy with the one leg and the red hair who thinks, <laughs> yes, that's the coach for me. <laughs> I actually had a time, this was about 10 years ago now, where I took on four consecutive clients called Jeff. Seriously, different spellings, but Jeff. And I thought, I'm just going to call myself the Jeff coach. <laughs> this is great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. So, so good. So, it, I mean, that's kind of been the common consensus uh, <clears throat> from my guests on the show is that you really do need to niche, niche down or <laughs> niche down. Um, so, so let me ask you. So for, for coaches, relatively new coaches that are, you know, having a hard time getting clients, what would be like your best advice or strategy for them to, um, you know, to start getting clients in, especially if they know their, their niche? 
I think I think that's changed, uh, Cheryl. I think um, I think if if you if you'd have asked me three months ago, it would have been get offline and go and talk to as many people as possible. You can't do that now yeah. because the online thing takes time. It, it takes time. You know, you can't start up an online, but unless you've got a lot of money to throw at it and do like a, um, you know, like a, a, a Facebook funnel or something and spend loads of advertising, then um, it, if you're going to do it online, let's presume you're saying online, okay, mm -hmm. then I think get into Facebook groups and add value. Don't try and sell. Don't try and promote yourself. Go in there and help people as much as you can. It's all about helping people, you know. So, uh, but don't think you can build an online business in a matter of weeks because you probably can't. And if you can, then I'll hire you. <laughs> let me know, and let you, you know, you know, we maybe both. Well, I don't know. Um, I, it, 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 it's difficult, but it, it all comes back to so the, the acronym for building an online presence is EAT, which is expertise, authority, and trust. So you build your expertise, and that leads to authority, and that leads to people trusting you, so which is why having a Facebook group can be so useful. So I would say to people, get into groups where your ideal client is, help as many people as you can, do not under any circumstances sell and at the same time start to build up maybe a newsletter list or, or what have you. But give yourself time. Don't If you need to make money in the next three months from coaching and, and you're at ground zero, then I don't know. Don't. It'll be difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's probably. It's not, you know, I always hesitate to say, you know, you can't do that because that's ridiculous. There'll be somebody that did it. And, you know, that 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 one example, you know, disproves the rule, but it's really, really difficult. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, you know, I think it's, it's certainly feasible to get one or two clients in three months, but I don't think it's feasible to, you know, have a full-time practice or, right. you know, right. pay your bills. Um, and I think that's where they expectation like having your manageable expectations uh, especially when you get out of training um you know there's there's coaches out there that say hey you know uh, you can hit seven figures in six months well i'm sure there are the exceptions out there that have done that but um for seven figures you're talking about a couple of years of work i mean there's yeah, There's just no way around least, it. <laughs> at least I had I had actually one who's obviously bored with the current. You can do six figures in. So I had one that said eight figures on LinkedIn that tried to connect me. Yeah, you know, the, the question you want to ask yourself: If these people can help you eight figures inside however long, it doesn't matter however long it is. You know, why are these scuffling around on LinkedIn, sending friend request, you know, connection requests or what have you? Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, you know, three years ago. I mean, on LinkedIn now, I probably get 15 connection requests a week from people telling me they help coaches. And, and for the most part, they, they, they can't. You know, if it was that easy, they would do it themselves and they, they wouldn't be on LinkedIn sending random emails out and what have you. 
you know, and, and, and that's making my job harder, your job harder. It's because it's like, you know, and then people hire people like that and say, or coaches hire people like that and say, ah, oh, it's just a scam industry. Well, no, it's just, yeah, you may have got scams. It's just like any industry right. that's, you know, um, exploding, you're going to get people jumping into it. And a lot of those people have not done it themselves. A lot right. of those people have not, yeah. And by the way, you know, you don't have to have been a coach to help people build a successful coaching business. But you kind of have to have done, you know, some of the people, like, I'm a high ticket closer. I'm like, dude, I spent 20 years in sales. You know, closing is the actually easiest part of the sale. If you've done your job properly and you've taken people through the sales process, right? they've bought this course from, you know, guy I won't mention is just like corner of the market on it they spent two grand and now they're a high ticket closer and <laughs> it can be frustrating um yeah. and I have noticed an increase on LinkedIn of um in fact I had uh, my son helps me out with with some things in my business and one of the things I asked him to do was to because he's a good salesperson so I said you know can you just go over on my LinkedIn and kind of just take a look around give me your impressions on it um, and you know, he, he came back like two days later and he said, there are more people out there trying to sell to coaches than there are coaches trying to get clients. Yeah, there are definitely on LinkedIn. I, I would definitely agree with that. There's more people selling to go. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what's happened is one or two people who are good at selling themselves have sold the system to people that's then kind of like, you know, it's a pyramid scheme basically. Yeah. So then that, you know, it's spread and spread and spread. And uh, the high ticket closers, which peaked about a year and a half ago, I was getting two or three a day for these people. I'm, a, I'm an official high ticket closer. Yeah, because let's face it, every coach is, oh, I've got these high ticket inquiries. I just don't know how to close them. Yeah, said nobody ever. <laughs> no, I have never met, you know, met a coach. If I had a coach say, Tim, I'm getting those, all these inquiries. I don't know what to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. All right. So we're, we're getting ready to, to, to close up in a little bit, but I'd like to ask one more question. What do you do when you want to call in more, when you want to take your business up a notch? What's something that you typically do? Um, I've not done that for so long. Um, I, I am looking to do that actually at the moment because I'm, I'm, I'm launching a podcast. I've actually got three episodes recorded and I'm just not doing because I'm fundamentally lazy <laughs> one of the reasons I got out of sales was ah you know what I don't I don't want to go back into this working 60 hours a week or whatever yeah so I'll take the dogs for a walk or whatever so um I, I'm probably a, a a poor person to ask that shall we if I'm being honest you know I just I, I, yeah I, I and, and I need to because I you know I'm, I'm 57 and really don't i don't have a pension or any savings so people say to me oh you should be you must be worried about you know you, you know your financial future well no I, I don't maybe i should be you know maybe i should be maybe i should be stepping it up but i did i moved into this because i wanted to do it and because i loved it yeah you know but let me go back to the question because it sounded self-indulgent um i would say just diversify you know you're doing a podcast um People think, oh, we're inundated with podcasts now. No, we're not. You know, podcasting is like, you know, I got into blogging in the early days. So I started blogging in 2006. 
And whereas it wasn't like brand new then, with, in terms of self-development, it, it wasn't particularly established. Right. And for the first two years, it felt like where podcasting is now. Uh, and it felt like, oh, there's not really further. Well, now there's probably a thousand times more blogs. Right. Know, so I think the same is going to go for podcasts. And I think this is a new way of people communicating one, uh, with one another, especially how things are changing now. So I do that. You know, look to uh, just do stuff with a purpose. Too many coaches do things like, I'm writing an ebook. Well, why? Well, to get my name out there. Well, that's a terrible marketing strategy. Do it for a specific reason or if you can promote it properly. So look for different forms of income. But do them properly. Don't half-ass it. Like, I'll, I'll just cover it up on it. Amazon hope it sells. Well, guess what? It won't. Yeah. Right. No, I agree with that. All right. So tell us, um, what, where can people find you uh, to get in touch with you? They can find me at coachthelifecoach.com. And I wrote a book that's on Amazon. That actually has quite a lot. This is all quite a lot of copy. It's called The Clarity Method, which is all about core values. I've never talked about core values, but that's, uh, uh, I, I don't talk about core values these days. It's one of the most important works I used to do with clients. So, uh, and that's it. And just, uh, you won't find me on Facebook because I'm, I use it for private use. Don't follow me on Twitter because I just troll Trump and tell jokes and swear a lot. Uh, <laughs> coaches say, well, we shall see what you're doing. No, 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 don't, don't, don't look what I'm doing on social media. It won't work. Okay. All right. So your website and, um, and your book and your, we'll have links to those um, in thank the you. show notes so, uh, so people can get a hold of you. So thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and um, I hope everybody... Yeah, I hope everybody listening um, got a lot out of this and also laughed a little bit uh, today with Tim. So thank I you very so. much. And um, we'll talk to you guys on our next episode. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. If you love today's show, please consider leaving me a review on the Apple Podcast app so other coaches can find the podcast. For more information about me, visit SuccessfulCoaches.com. For daily inspiration and affirmations, follow me on Instagram at Coach Cheryl Thacker. Be sure to send me a DM so I can say hello. Until next time, to your success.